2: This is Where We Live from Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Catherine Shin. One reality competition series recently showcased Connecticut talent in a new way. Four of the 16 contestants on the latest season of RuPaul's Drag Race were born or raised in Connecticut. Today, we're revisiting our mid-season conversations with Lucy LaDuca and Robin Fierce, who joined Amethyst and Jax as our Connecticut contingent on the show. During the series reunion in April, Connecticut Lieutenant Governor Susan Bicewitz and members of the LGBTQ plus caucus patched in with a message.
0: So thank you for representing our state, for showcasing your charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent, and for reminding everyone that freedom of expression is a
2: human right. And now it's time to remind all lawmakers across the country.
0: Love, Love wins. wins.
2: Ahead, Lucy and Robin discuss how they discovered drag, developed their artistry, and why they're determined to confront misunderstanding by showcasing drag as a force for good. Joining me first is Ansonia-based drag queen Lucy LaDuca. You can join the conversation by finding us on Facebook or Twitter at Where We Live. Lucy, welcome to the program.
0: Hi, thanks so much for having me.
2: So, just want to jump straight into it. How are you feeling after coming back home from taping? Um, I, I feel
0: great. It's it's a definitely an adjustment. Um, what is pretty wild is that we filmed the show quite a bit ago. We filmed it over the summer. And so it was a weird time in my life where I knew that we were sitting on all this footage and then I couldn't talk to anybody about it. And so now that the show is finally out and airing, it feels really nice to sort of see the uh the fruits of our labors from so many months ago.
2: I cannot imagine that burden, especially in our no-spoilers world, how much pressure you have wanting to talk about something especially so exciting. And I hear hear that a lot. You know, a lot of people tape stuff that's like so many months ago and you kind of forget moments. But I have a sneaky suspicion that you probably have had a very unforgettable experience being on RuPaul. And I wanted to ask, you know, the show teaches you a lot about yourself. And once again, no spoilers, of course. But can you share any lessons you've learned through the competition?
0: You know, I think that uh, what I learned is that when you're put under immense pressure because the show is as, as much as it's a fun experience, it's also quite a bit of pressure uh, because you are being, you're being judged and that's, that can be really, really difficult. Um, But what you have to do for me personally, is that I just remembered my mantra of uh, kindness as my armor. Mm -hmm. So if I remained kind through the entire competition, it helped me to, know that no matter what I see on TV, I know that I can stand behind it. And I know that ego didn't get in the way. um, Anger didn't get in the way. frustration didn't get in the way. I made all of my decisions based on that. And I don't know if I'll ever be under as much pressure again. But I know that if I am, I can get through it sort of with that mantra that I hold very close.
2: I love that. I see stickers. And also, it's one of those things where I feel like, well, if you've gone through something like that, chances are probably high that you can do anything you want afterwards.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
2: And so the Connecticut Post had reported you uh, saying that you received calls from all over the world for bookings less than a week after you were announced as a contestant. What about now? And what has the response been since you've been back?
0: Well, so there's there's sort of two different responses. Um, one response has been that of places that want to book me to come and, and visit and perform. And that's been really incredible. Uh, I very quickly was booked all over the country and I'm even going to be in London for a week, which is very exciting. Um, and then other than that, there's the fan response. And although with any television show, there's going to be some people who are not super kind behind their behind their keyboard anonymously. But by and large, it's been, I've had an incredible response from the fans. And a lot of people are reaching out to me and telling me that they identify with my story. And that's really incredibly special to me because I went in with the mentality of being extremely open and honest about my life and my struggles. And I've gotten messages from people in so many different countries saying that they identify with me. And that makes me feel so good.
2: That's amazing. And I, and I think what's really poignant about the show is a lot of what you do resonate with people around the world. Like you just said, you know, you hear from all kinds of fan bases. Um, tell our listeners who may not be too familiar with who Lucy LaDuca is. Who is Lucy LaDuca?
0: So uh, Lucy is is an array of things. You know, first of all, I grew up in a very small town in Connecticut. I grew up in Ansonia. I still live in Ansonia. I think it's I, I want to say it's the second smallest city in the state. I might be making that up. Don't fact check me on that. But um, now, and with that, I wasn't really exposed to a lot of uh, the arts here. I, you know, I have a lot of hometown pride. I, I still live here for a reason, but it is very, uh, you know, a very sports centric place, like a lot of high schools are. And uh, so that that was sort of tough for me growing up, especially as a queer kid. And I felt sort of, Lost for a long time. But when I got a little older, I uh, got into the world of theater. And for a lot of young queer people, that just opens up the entire world. And through that, I found drag. And it became something that I've done for, I'm now in my 13th year of drag. And uh, to, to sort of combat that, the thing that really surprises people is that I've also done uh, construction for just as many years as I've done drag. That's been my day job this entire time. So I have this sort of crazy dichotomy between my daytime job and my nighttime job.
2: Well, I think that's a really beautiful thing. And congratulations on being your 13th year. And and you mentioned growing up in Ensonia, you didn't have a lot of um, exposure to the arts. But I read that you fell in love with musical theater at Ensonia Middle School. Um, Can you talk about any particular performances in the moment that sort of led you to be like, oh, my God, this is it?
0: Yeah, so um, in middle school, I I was there when they sort of like experimented with bringing theater into uh Sonia Public Schools because uh, it it wasn't really something that I, as far as I knew, had really been um around before, and so we had a great group of teachers. Um, headed by this incredible music teacher named Mrs. Chuka. She was my music teacher in uh, in elementary school. And she also was sort of at the helm of bringing musical theater into Ansonia. And we did, I believe the first show we did was Guys and Dolls. And I had never heard of it. I would never seen the movie or anything. And I just fell in love with it. I just thought it was the most amazing thing. And I, I felt like I can use all the skills that I knew that I had because i the one thing i've always been able to do is make people laugh ever since i was a kid that's like my if if everybody has a gift then that one is mine and i was able to do that and i realized oh wow i really like making people laugh especially on stage and i've been doing it ever since
2: speaking of making people laugh your dolly parton impersonation was incredible oh, hi, it's me, Dolly Parton. <laughs> Not to mention your episode-winning Joan Rivers impersonation.
0: Johnny, we have missed you so much. Oh, God, I had to miss a cigar out of you. <laughs> oh, God.
2: These were just some of the characters you have channeled into the brunches you host at Hartford Cabaret Club Shea. Can you tell us more about what you know and how did you build that talent?
0: Well, I've always, going along with making people laugh, uh, I've always been doing impressions my whole life. I you know, have done impressions of my parents or my teachers or my friends or my siblings. And so then going into drag and celebrity impersonation being a, a big part of that, especially years ago, not so much now with how how mainstream it is, but um, I noticed that I could do people's voices. I've always been able to do that. And so when it came to discovering that I could do Joan, I just thought, okay, well then this is this is it. This is my my girl because she's just she is a comedy legend you know she opened doors and still is opening doors uh even after passing for amazing female comedians and um she has the quickest wit I've ever seen and uh, if I could be half as quick as her then I know that I've done my job
2: On one episode of RuPaul's Drag Race, Lucy opened up about formative moments of discrimination and how her knack for humor is a part of her armor, too.
1: How long have you been out for?
0: didn't come out until after high school, which really surprises people because I'm so out there now. But I actually still live in the town that I went to, like elementary and high school and stuff. And I'll be walking around my hometown and I'll be looked at like I don't belong there
1: just like based to you. off of like the way that you look. Based you know, off
0: the way, I mean, you know, I like a short short and I like a crop top, Yeah. you know. I remember the first time I was ever called up f- I remember it really distinctly. I was in sixth grade. I remember exactly who it was. I heard teachers in my school join in on making fun of me. I used to just like hope and pray that I could just be... Normal. I just got to a point eventually after high school where it was like I need to start actually living my life. Right. The only thing that I could do to get people to stop laughing at me was to get them to laugh with me. And so being bullied. Really helped me to hone in on my talent for comedy. And so now I've been able to take what used to be a defense mechanism and now I've made a career out of it. I think the reason why I'm the way that I am, why I wear the crop top and I wear the short short is because I'm making it for a lost time. I'm gonna be as gay as they come. Yeah. You know what I mean? And with Selena in the room that's really hard. (laughs) I live Out loud and out proud wherever I go. I still have people ridicule me. The difference now is that I found my voice.
2: We asked Lucy why it was so important to share this experience on the show. Well, I think
0: that it's very easy for people to not think that hate exists if they haven't experienced it themselves. And so... There are, are even a lot of people in my life who are wonderful and loving and supportive, but they might not know what I went through. So because they don't know that they think that it doesn't exist. Sure. And I know that for me, my experience growing up in a small town is not uncommon at all. And a lot of times growing up as a queer kid, you really feel alone. And so I knew this is my time now to show people that although now I am confident and strong that I had to go through a lot of a lot of hard times to get where I am now and from that I have gotten an explosion of of messages from people saying I identify with you so much I'm going through that right now or I went through that when I was a kid and seeing you tell your story has given me courage to tell my own and, and I, that is just, that means more to me than having won the challenge. I mean, that makes me feel like I'm actually making a real difference in the world.
2: I, I I think I always say this whenever I hear stories like this because it's it's we're not happy that any one person has had to go through that. But you're right, it's if you haven't gone through it, maybe you would not be able to have these stories that now are resonating with your fan base. How does this conversation we're having now reflect on some of the current misunderstandings and harmful narratives being perpetuated? about drag queens is that something you are aware of or you try to keep you know you try to keep updated on so you can help your your fellow community members you know what are your thoughts on that
0: well i i i have a really hard time with everything that's going on right now um unfortunately queer people are not i don't want to say that we're used to being targeted but Unfortunately, that is the truth. Uh, this is nothing new. But right now, drag performers in particular have a target on their backs. We're being used as as a scapegoat, really, to uh, deflect from the real issues that are going on, in not only in this country, but in the entire world. And so I think it's that type of mob mentality of that person over there is the enemy. Don't look over here. That person over there is the problem. And so what's happening is we are being targeted as a community that wants to harm children, which is so infuriating to me because I know that for me, having told my story, I'm getting messages from young people who are saying, I identify with you so much. And because I see you, I know that my life can get better. So what we're trying to do is actually help people. We're trying to enrich people's lives. And I think that anyone who says that drag shows are harmful, those people have never been to a drag show. And I encourage people to go and experience them for themselves to see what we really have to offer as opposed to listening to these people who are just spewing hate.
2: Speaking of which, I was going to ask you, what would you say about the role of RuPaul's Drag Race that plays in demystifying drag and showcasing this as an art form and perhaps encouraging people who are not familiar with the space to check it out?
0: Well, I think that's exactly what it does. I think that it puts it it makes it much more accessible to people because years ago before the show. You had, you had to go to a show, and especially many years ago, the shows didn't start until maybe midnight, and so you had to be 21, you had to be able to stay up late and so now you can turn on MTV, one of the, one of the biggest networks in the world, and it, it can just be on in your living room and you can see the art form and what's really amazing is people can see how much work goes into it, because a lot of people only see the finished product, they don't see the hours of makeup and sewing and crafting that goes into the final beautiful product.
2: I will say I'm one of those people that love behind-the-scenes stuff, and I really appreciate it because it doesn't take away the magic of the final product, like you're saying, but I appreciate so much of all the work that goes behind your shows and your performances. And I have to say, um, I don't know if I can even put makeup on for five hours and look amazing. So kudos to you and your skills and talent <laughs> and your hours of hard work behind that. Thank you so much. Um, I can't even balance my eyeliner, so we are working on that later. But I also wanted to touch on, you're such a force of support for many of the girls on the show and beyond. For example, you and the esteemed Sasha Kobe were both there for contestants and the twins Sugar and Spice when they got really emotional about their relationships with their family why is it so important to you to give and receive that kind of guidance and love?
0: Well, uh, you know, first of all, a major shout out to my sister, Sasha Colby, because she is just the most amazing supportive person. Uh, and, and we really looked out for each other during the filming process. So much love to to my sister, Sasha. Um, it's really, really important for us as queer people to be supportive to those who are around us. A lot of people don't have the support of their families. Now, I am very, very lucky. I have a very supportive family. But my case is actually very rare. Several of the girls uh, who were filming, their families didn't even know that they were there because, Mm -hmm. because their families have chosen not to speak to them. And because of that, what's amazing about the queer community is that we rally around people and we give them a family. So it's our job to do that. It's our job to be there for people who are going through a hard time because they can't rely on their own biological families to do so and so we have this amazing concept of a chosen family and that should not be just exclusive to the queer community anyone who has issues with their family i just want to say you get to choose exactly who your family is you can choose anyone your best friends are your family and so we, we take on those responsibilities that maybe were left by the wayside by uh, people's actual families.
2: I know we have a very limited amount of time left. But I do want to end by asking, you know, with all these changes and everything that you've been through, how would you describe the Connecticut drag scene today? And what was it like seeing Connecticut put on the map um, in this way?
0: So uh, it's been really incredible to be able to, to represent the Connecticut drag scene. it's really been an honor of mine. Um, something that frustrates me in particular is when people uh, question if there really is a drag scene here. People will ask me, you know what what goes on in Connecticut? Is there any drag? And I'll literally be standing there as a Connecticut resident wearing a wig, and I'm like, "Yep, there's drag there. I'm literally from there." Um, and what's amazing about the Connecticut drag community is that it's huge and thriving. I mean, there are new drag performers. I'm not even kidding. Every single week, there are new drag performers, um, and that's supported by open stages like at the Shea in Hartford. And it really uh, it cultivates new performers. What's amazing about the Connecticut drag scene is that it's very eclectic. There's not one specific style that it sort of holds on to, you could see every type of performer within our tiny little state. And I encourage everyone to do their own research and find shows because there's shows every single weekend that you can go and experience yourself.
2: Lucy LaDuca, thank you so much for being on the show with us. It was our pleasure. And I hope you had a good time.
0: I had a wonderful time. Please have me back. Oh, we will. Thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for having me.
2: You're listening to my conversation with Lucy LaDuca, one of the Connecticut contestants who competed on this season of RuPaul's Drag Race on MTV. My conversation with Hartford-based Robin Fierce is up next after a quick break.
0: So ECMO is considered when treatments have failed, and in our center with a special ECMO on-the-go team, we'll actually take that technology to their hospital and help them out there if they need to, to stabilize the patient and
2: then bring them back to heart for recovery. For more information, go to ctpublic.org slash health. This is Where We Live from Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Catherine Shen. Today, we're revisiting our conversations with two of the Connecticut contestants who just competed on this season of RuPaul's Drag Race on MTV. I had the pleasure of speaking with Hartford-based drag queen Robin Fierce mid-season. You can join the conversation. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. So I just wanted to start off with, uh, Robin, You know, how are you feeling after taping this season? We're recording this Where We Live episode this Monday, January 23rd, right after episode four just aired. Obviously, no spoilers, but what kind of te- takeaways can you share with us um, now that you're back home?
1: Um, It was definitely a roller coaster ride. um, And I think many of the girls in the past have described it as a pressure cooker, and that it definitely is. Um, But not to be corny, but like diamonds are made with pressure. And I think that we just uh, come out stronger uh, after going through all of that.
2: Well, I love corn and I love corny, so I think you are <laughs> in a safe space here with that. So did you go through any are there any highs and lows that you've gone through that you feel like you've learned a lot from? You mentioned the roller coaster? I just can't imagine what you guys all have to go through.
1: Um I think we'll start on low and then go with the high. Um, low is I feel like the show makes you like face trauma that you might not have known that you had, whether that is like um, talking about it with a bunch of people who, yes, you all are friendly and cool while you're on the show, but basically strangers um, at the end of the day. And then also just um, the the pressure of just pushing yourself to do things that you might not um, normally do. Um, I think that's, well, that's not necessarily a low, but but I will say that is um, the hard part um, about the show. And it kind of puts you through it sometimes. But then um, the highs is um, some of these girls I probably would have never met um, not doing the show. And um, I think that I've made like genuine friends. Some of the girls I talk to like almost every day Um, And then, like I said before, like once you come out of it, like you are just an overall better performer, better artist um, for it. So I'm very thankful. Um, And of course, all the people who um, come out and support uh, after seeing the show, too, is super amazing.
2: I think that's really beautiful because I feel the same way with people I connect with um, either as a reporter or through this show. It's just people that I would never imagine I would have the privilege to speak with. And so, you know, from your highs and your lows and what you just shared, you know, were were there anything, was there anything new that you learned about yourself? Like things that you were doing, you're like, oh, my God, I can do this or or the opposite.
1: Um, At first, I thought I didn't really learn anything. Um. Because, I mean, I've been doing drag for a little bit. I haven't been doing it it the longest on the cast, but I'd like to believe that I was a fully formed, fledged drag queen by the time that I got on the show. But then thinking about it after um, and, like, reflecting on, especially what's already been seen, um, watching it back, I could see where I could push a little bit more or do something a little bit different so that I'm still... Um, growing even though one is a full-fledged artist um, there's always room to grow Um, so yeah and I people a lot of people describe me as like regal or whatever so the phrase that I tend to use when thinking about it is yes I can sit on my throne and be regal but it's okay to explore the kingdom and try other things that you might not have known was in your kingdom.
2: I love that. Just remember us peasants every once in a while, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, what has it been like since the show premiered? We know you've been hosting shows and watch parties around the Tri-State area. How has that changed for you?
1: Um, <laughs> Definitely more people come out to the show, <laughs> um, which is always nice. I feel like I felt like I was going to have this whole paradigm shift of like what it was going to be after the show. But I really, for the most part, feel like the same um, as a person. Of course, like going out into the world is different. There is more of a fan base than I even had before, um, which is nice. Uh, But I'm definitely excited about traveling more. I think that's like going to be the biggest difference. After this week, I'll be traveling every week, which is definitely going to be an adjustment. But I'm excited.
2: And your hometown is Hartford. But can you tell us the places that you grew up in Connecticut? I think you've been around in the state.
1: Yes. um, Overall, Hartford County. So um, my family is from Brooklyn and we moved here when I was five um, for my dad's work. And we lived in Rocky Hill, Um, he got promoted, then we moved to South Windsor, um, and, um, then, I mean, we love Rocky Hill and South Windsor, uh, but those were not my favorite places, uh, to grow up (laughs) only because I was like one of either one of one or one of three black people in my grade. So it was very, um it was definitely interesting being the minority and, um, not being seen like, uh, the other people in my class was. Um, but then my parents got a divorce and then I went to, um, Manchester and then for school, I went to, um, two rivers, um, in East Hartford. Um, and that is where like, I really discovered my appreciation for diversity uh, because they brought kids from all over Connecticut. Um, So it wasn't just me and it was a whole bunch of other people and I got introduced to a whole bunch of other cultures. So um, I know I'm like veering off the question a little bit, but like my love of diversity comes from um, going to school at Two Rivers and like meeting all of these different people. Um, And then very soon after we moved to Hartford and for the most part, I've been there, been here um, since high school.
2: We love Beering. Beering is is very good here. And so, (laughs) I mean, I love that you mentioned diversity. It's something that it's, it's in conversation a lot recently from all, mm-hmm. all over the place and, and everything is so connected with each other. And I love that you mentioned that as part of your um, non-experience in, earlier in your life, but it came sort mm-hmm. of fully fledged later on. Did you have that catalyst moment of this is what I want to do or were you introduced to this scene and you're like, I want to be a part of this? Like Share with us how oh, okay. you got how okay. you got started in this scene
1: um well I came out when I was like 19 going on 20 um but before that I thought that drag was very strange because I didn't understand it and also I didn't understand myself so anything that was un-understandable to me making up words um just made me uncomfortable um which I think speaks to The greater scheme of the world sometimes, when we don't understand ourselves, it makes it hard to um, understand other people uh, as well. But came out and then I kind of dove into queer queer culture and started watching Drag Race. I am a product of uh, Drag Race, and I'm watching the show and um, having a good time and realizing that these people that are doing drag are no more weird than me or my friends. So, like, Um, it's not something to be like super weird or uncomfortable about. Um, and then I started practicing my makeup. I probably practiced my makeup for six months before I finally like actually stepped out into the world, which is different for a lot of, uh, Queens. I feel like they like, like, oh my gosh, I want to do drag. I'm going to just throw it on and hit the road. Um, which is fine, which is fine. Is fine. Is fine. Um, if you're going to do drag, you might as well. Uh, dive in Um, but I'm like I want to look good the first time I go out and all that stuff I still looked crazy and it's okay Um, but yeah there's no um, 18 plus clubs in Connecticut Uh, so I would go to um, Ego in Rhode Island because they are 18 plus because I was still 20 at the time so I would go probably at least once a month and go in drag to Ego Um, And then see the RuPaul's Drag Race girls because they would go there all the time. Um, And then when I did turn uh, 21, um, I got my I started doing like little competitions here in Connecticut. I got my first gig in Springfield um, and then I started doing more stuff here. And each year I would look at um, like my calendar and the first year, no paid gigs scattered throughout the year. The second um year um I feel like there was at least one paid gig uh every month and then the next it was multiple and then eventually it was like every weekend so um I think it just turned into me doing something that I love and then also slowly um make it in making it into a uh source of income granted when I first started not uh, a lot of income to be had. Um, so I still have like my uh, full time jobs or part time jobs and stuff like that um, to like sustain. But uh, yeah, it's kind of I guess I kind of fell into it and then fell in love with it.
2: You're listening to my conversation with Robin Fierce, who recently competed on the latest season of RuPaul's Drag Race. We'll continue the conversation after a quick break. You can join us. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. This is Where We Live from Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Catherine Shen. You're listening to my conversation with Robin Fierce, a Hartford-based drag queen featured in the latest season of RuPaul's Drag Race. I asked how this persona developed over time into the queen we know now as Robin Fierce. Take a listen.
1: My persona, I think I fell into it because I like the grandioseness of life, and I feel like that's kind of... um, kind of what I portray, like in my um, introduction, I kind of introduced myself, not kinda, I did introduce myself as if Mariah Carey, Beyonce and Diane Carroll uh, had a baby, that would be me. Um, I feel like the grand diva dumbness is like from the Mariah Carey and the appearance of Diane. Um, But then if you watch interviews with Diane uh, Carroll, like she's always joking with them. So she doesn't really take herself super seriously, but people take her seriously. And I feel like I connect um, with that. And then also just performing wise, um, I love, I actually didn't grow up like dancing and I always thought that I could not dance and everything that I know performance wise has come from just doing drag. Um, So if I'm not perfect at something, it's because I literally taught myself um how to do these things um so i connect with beyonce kind of in like that way um but i think the overall um essence of my drag is like powerful women um and i think that that is super amazing and yeah (laughs)
2: <laughs> well, and I was going to mention that you mentioned diva and grandness and, and grandioseness. Uh, we're making it worse Ooh. today. You do go by Connecticut's grand diva. So why was it so important to represent where you live?
1: Okay, first, I have never said grand diva in my life before <laughs> <laughs> Before getting on the show. like They ask you to describe yourself, and I'm not the best with describing myself. Contrary to popular belief, all drag queens do not talk about themselves (laughs) all the time. Well, we are giving Uh, you
2: this opportunity today. So
1: (laughs) So, uh, that came out of nowhere. I originally actually, um, when I described myself, I described myself as the auntie of Connecticut. I am like that rich auntie that like pops in and all the kids love, but they only really see during the holidays because... Um, at least here, I would travel a lot. So I would do a bunch of shows here in Connecticut, but I would also do like New York and Hampshire, like tri-state area uh, moment. So that's why I always describe myself as that. Um, but back to the main question. <laughs> um, I think it's important. It, it is more important than I even realized um, it was. And I didn't realize how important it was until after Um, I did the show. Um, Of course, I thought it was amazing that Connecticut finally um, got representation because there aren't many things that we even get representation. I think uh, right now, all we have, or before this, all we really had was the fact that uh, WWE was in uh, Stanford. (laughs) Um, And I think Jerry Springer was filmed in uh, Connecticut. Uh, And then maybe a mention on Gossip Girl or something like that. Um, But it's always important to have uh, representation. And um, it's nice that the world gets to see that Connecticut, just like anywhere else, um, has talented people. Um, And at least for me, um, my specific representation is a queer Black person in Connecticut, which I think is also... Um, amazing as well to be able to represent that um, and be one of the, the first people from Connecticut on the show um, but yeah, seeing everybody's reactions and how it's made um, the drag community as a whole in Connecticut step it up even more, like we were already doing drag, there was drag all over Connecticut, um, especially in Hartford County and uh, Fairfield County Um, but now for them seeing that it's possible, we all have wanted it, but to actually see that it's possible to be on this huge platform, it pushes people in a way, um, that they might not have even known that they needed, um, which I appreciate, uh, getting to be a part of that.
2: Well, I, I love that you share that too, because so I'm pretty new to Connecticut. I'm originally from California. I moved to Connecticut about three years ago, and mm-hmm. so you're right. It's 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 really important to put sort of a a location pin on the state that you're from or your hometown, because mm-hmm. I have to be honest. You mentioning Gossip Girl and and all of the other references, the only reference I had as a Californian for Connecticut is honestly Gilmore Girls.
1: So, mm. or maybe know. maybe it was Gilmore Girls. I forget. I, yeah. Um, references-
2: uh, yeah. No, and, and I love this conversation because it's so wonderful learning about Connecticut and Hartford County through your experience, because everyone's experience is so unique and different. And, you know, while we're on that, you're, you're traveling all over the place now. You've done this amazing show and had these ridiculous experiences. You know, what has it been like going back to your hometown club, Shea, in Hartford?
1: Um, it's always so welcoming. Um And it always has been. Uh, But to see the outpour of, like, all the extra love and all that stuff, Connecticut as a whole is super excited um, for all three of us um, to be on the show right now. Like, they will they are the literal definitions of ride or die. If people come for us on the internet, they are up in arms. Um, So being able to uh, go back to bars that I have worked at um, pretty much my whole drag career um, and seeing the continuation of support, seeing people who have been there from the beginning, seeing people that just got there all come together um, and really cheer on Connecticut drag is amazing. Even if we do terrible on the show, I know for a fact that uh, Connecticut will still cheer for us and still say if, for, if we are eliminated uh, that we were robbed. And if we win, we knew it from the beginning, they deserved. So it's <laughs> nice to have uh, that, that extra support.
2: That's the attitude to have. And I will say, when I heard the word Connecticut, it did something to me. I don't know what it was, but I was like, oh, my God, Connecticut. That's where I live now. Um, Uh So I guess from your experience, has the Connecticut scene responded to the show?
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I'm hoping that um, the thing with Connecticut, which um, I think one thing that uh, me, Lucy and Amethyst have gotten were, oh my gosh, I didn't even know there was drag in Connecticut, um, which the thing is like drag has always been in Connecticut um, in maybe smaller sections of Connecticut um, have always had drag. Um, now, I think we definitely have a lot more um, drag queens, even from when I started. Um, I feel like there's a new drag queen every other weekend, which is amazing. Um but I think, and what I hope will uh, change is uh, us having more venues. So there are only also many places in Connecticut. There's the, the Shea in Hartford, there's Partners, uh, York Street and Gotham in New Haven. If I, I think that's all of them, uh, there might be one more. Um, and then in Fairfield, there's uh, Trevi and Troop, which I also worked at Troop for a long time. Yeah. Um, but with as many drag queens that we have, um, there aren't always spaces for them to perform consistently and perform um with pay consistently. Um so I'm hoping that with this new eye on Connecticut, that would encourage more venues as a whole to be like, oh, we should do a drag show for um, a brunch or a dinner show, whether it was at a restaurant or a corporate thing, like, oh, let's have drag queen bingo for our little corporate event uh, moment. I hope that that comes um, a little bit more because there's college shows, there's brunch shows, there's club shows. There's so many different things that um, drag queens can do. Even if we're not performing, we can host, we can sing, we can dance. Uh, Drag is probably one of the most um, universal eclectic and diverse talent scope um, in the entertainment industry to me. I might be biased, but <laughs> to me.
2: Well, it sounds like is the limit. And the, the experience is so varied. And I, I love that you shared, you know, your earlier uh, personal days growing up and, and then realizing this is something you want to do. And this, you're so um, enthusiastic. And, and I love the energy that you bring because you're right by being sort of on camera, literally, you're also um, welcoming and embracing people who want to be a part of this or want to learn about this. But unfortunately, there's also the flip side too, right? We know that drag queens have recently become the target of really harmful anti-LGBTQ narratives, and it's Mm -hmm. a part of a wider wave of protest and legislation and violent cases, unfortunately. So, I want to ask, you know, what would you say about the role of RuPaul's Drag Race that plays in sort of demystifying drag and showcasing this as an art form, as you have mentioned earlier?
1: Um, I think with Drag Race specifically, it shows the fun of drag um, and also um, what is possible with drag, because on Drag Race, like, you're not always doing the things that drag queens do normally in the world. You're doing sketch comedy shows. Um, You might see, like, a random campy uh, group number, which also does happen, but not every drag queen does that all the time. So you're seeing a bunch of different facets of what drag can be, what drag can do. But at the end of the day, it is really just fun. And um, it is work for us, but it's also fun. And we're not... uh, trying to be nefarious we're not trying to um do all of these malicious things that uh people are making it out uh that we are doing um especially with like the drag queen story hours and stuff. i've done many a drag queen story hours and it's literally me reading a book and these children thinking that i'm a princess <laughs> <laughs> like it's that is literally all it is and most of the books we are reading are Uh, either just these random fun kids' books or kids' books about like um, love and acceptance of all people, which is always going to be um, an amazing thing to have and to accept yourself. um, And that goes back to what I was saying earlier. And it's kind of like what RuPaul says, if you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love somebody else? And really, even before RuPaul, I knew RuPaul saying that, I came to the realization, like I was saying earlier, when I accepted myself, I can accept other people. So, um, yeah, drag for anybody out there is for fun. It is love. It is light. And RuPaul's Drag Race shows the people behind the drag um, and it makes it less scary. So watch RuPaul's Drag Race on MTV every Friday at 8
2: (laughs) p.m. That was a beautiful plug. And I was going to say, did you correct princess? It's queen, not princess. (laughs) So I just wanted to ask, you know, fellow drag queen Lucy LaDuca recently shared her experience being bullied growing up in Ansonia, Connecticut while on the show. Um, What would you share with us about your own experience growing up in Connecticut?
1: Um, My experience is kind of boring uh, in comparison. I mean, I think that there um, was definitely bullying that happened, but I'm a person that like is so in my own world sometimes um that yeah I would hear like things here and there um and I wasn't out but people would assume I was gay anyway um and like look at me away or say little things to themselves but like I said I'm more concerned with what it is that I want to do in life so I always focused on what made me happy and having a good time also like Um, I was friends with most of the girls and the guys that would make fun of me, uh, wanted to be with the girls that I was friends with. So they wouldn't like openly just be horrendous to me because I was friends with the people that they wanted. Uh, so any queer babies out there, uh, make friends with the hot girls (laughs) and once will leave you alone. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. The, the real advice is, uh, there, there is always going to be, uh, somebody that has something to say, um. And it will affect you. Um, But at the end of the day, you have to still do what makes you happy because you um, letting their voices, and this is even something that I have to remember now being more in the public eye and everybody having opinions. um, You have to do what you do for you and don't be afraid to do that. Um, And if uh, for whatever reason you are changing minds, it's going to be because you are living your life authentically um my family i'm the first out queer person in my family so they wouldn't accept any of that before uh me and the, they're still learning but um <laughs> just be yourself no matter what um uh, because like i said somebody's always going to have something to say so don't let them uh get in your way and they need to accept themselves and maybe that's why they're bullying you too so
2: yeah well, it's always a process, and that's a wonderful sentiment, I think, to start the week and the year, really. And so we one more question for you. We hit on so many lovely thoughts, and I'm so glad to have you here to share your experience. Is there anything else you want to share that you haven't had a chance to talk about?
1: Um, I will say uh, support your local artists, your local drag queens, um, for any queer people or even allies or whatever um go out to your local queer bars um because we all love to have fun and see the drag queens and all the shows and stuff but if you're not supporting the venues that support us then you're going to be very upset and sad uh when you cannot see people that you want to see because uh things shut down when they are not making money so support 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 there are so many drag queens um in connecticut more than even just the three that y'all see on tv um we have all worked together and we are all amazing in our own ways so you never know who's going to be your next favorite drag queen and that next favorite drag queen doesn't necessarily have to be a televised drag queen so yeah
2: Well, Robin Fierce, thank you so, so much for spending time with us today. I know you're very busy, so it's my privilege to be able to make this happen. And good luck to you. Of course. I could
1: talk to y'all all all day. I love it. Well, thank you guys for having me. I'm
2: Catherine Shen. Today's show is produced by Katie Pellico. Our technical producer is Kat Pastor. Download Where We Live anytime on your favorite podcast app. And thank you so much for listening.
0: How you feel like it'll be mm-hmm.